And so we're in a series right now called Start With No, right? Start with no. Say no to certain things in our lives that, that create tension, that, that, that are in these, this tug-of-war battle. We've been using that imagery of, of a tug-of-war that goes on in our hearts between the sinful nature, right, this thing, the things of sin, but also the things of the spirit, right? And last week we talked about how there's a tug-of-war going on in us, and the spiritual nature led by the Holy Spirit wants to help us to take out the sinful nature, Right, wants to help us battle the sinful nature inside of all of our hearts. And I'm not just pointing to Rebecca over here because, you know, the, the sinful nature. Uh, <laughs> but we see there's this battle going on inside of us, and we need the Holy Spirit to help us. Right? And as we finish our series today, this Start With No series that began uh, right before the new year, right, we're going to finish off this series, by say, you know, this year, this series that we've been saying right to the, yes to the right things. Right? We've been saying yes to Sabbath rhythms right, to rest, to really, like, let's lean into what God has gifted us in his rest. And so hopefully you've been walking that out and building that out. I know it's not easy, right, as we look at your schedules, it's like, man, I could fill every single day up with something. But it's submitting our schedule to God and saying, God, would you help me, help me do this, right, and leaning into his rest, leaning into that Sabbath. We talked about Bible study and memorization, right, hopefully you've been joining us in memorizing the Bible. We have those memorization guides in the back to some scriptures that every single week, we're as a church, we're going to be riding upon our hearts so we have ammo, we have the truth to fight the lies in our life. This week's verse, you know, 2 Timothy 1, 7, that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Sound mind, right? We, we want to have those things in our life, and God says, I'm not going to give you the wrong things, I'm giving you the right things. In my spirit, I'm going to give you power and love and the ability to have the sound mind to accomplish and to defeat the sinful nature in our life. Right, so we need to lean into that. We talked about living life in community, and many of you joined us for Alpha this last Thursday. It was awesome. And if, you're, if you've been on the fence about whether or not you want to come to Alpha, get signed up, get here. It's awesome, right? We're having a great time. Um, God's got some awesome stuff planned for us at Alpha, so get signed up. You can still sign up for that. Uh, we say generally if you, if you don't sign up before week three, we're, we're pretty far into it. Get signed up for the next one, but we're still time. We're in week two. Get here. It's going to be awesome. Right? And so in order to say yes to these things, these good things that we've been talking about, we have to start with no. Where we got to create that space. We have to create that, uh, the opportunity to say yes because we're saying no to things that are getting in the way. Right? Rampant busyness, the lies of the enemy, isolation, selfishness. And today, as I mentioned, I want to talk about one more thing. I want to talk about one more thing. And what people hate it when we talk about it and when pastors talk about it, but the topic is money. Topic is money. It's, it's, a heart, it's, it's in our heart, and sometimes for a good reason, right? We can see that, that it, it could be self-serving and manipulative, and it could be something that ends up, you know, causing some tension and anxiety in all of us, but it would not be good shepherding as your pastor to not talk about it, right? To talk about what, these, uh, what this does in our hearts and lives and how do we turn that over. And so I want to point some things out about money that we need to say no to and some things that we need to say yes to today so that if we're going to flourish and experience God's definition of financial freedom, right, we can submit those things over to him, that tension, those thoughts. And so here's what I like to do whenever I'm nervous that someone might be trying to manipulate me or, you know, is trying to get me to do something that doesn't feel right is I go back to scripture, right? Go back to the word, go back to the truth, go back to what God has to say about these things. And what's interesting is I read through the Bible and I understand more and more what Jesus is trying to talk about, we find that there's more than 2,000 verses about money and possessions in Scripture. More than 2,000 verses 
right? Jesus spends most of his ministry, a lot of his conversations are with those who have, those who have not, those that are battling with, with those, the tension of that, right? There's more than 2,000 verses about money and possessions, which is almost double the verses that talk about faith and prayer, right? It's kind of interesting, right? It makes, it makes you think like, okay, Jesus knew that this would be something that we would struggle with, something that we deal with on a day-by-day basis. It is something that we have to walk through. He knew that we would, this would be an area that we would need some help in. And so he gives us some help. And as we look today at the Sermon on the Mount, he gives us an opportunity and, and some tools and ways to begin to work through these issues and work through this tension together. And so would you bow your head in a word of prayer as we jump into God's word today? God, we praise you for today. Lord, we thank you, God, that you're with us. We thank you that your word is alive and powerful. God, we thank you that even though sometimes the the truth of it, God, causes us to stretch, or the truth of it causes us, Lord Jesus, some tension, or it causes us to to question, God, I pray that your truth would reign reign supreme, God, that your truth would would ring out, God, that we would submit our our plans, we'd submit our purposes, God, we'd submit, Lord, our our anxieties and fears, Lord, to you, and God, that your truth would, would speak through all of it. So God, may your voice be heard today, Lord. We thank you in your name, amen. Amen. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 for most of our morning today. In Matthew chapter 6, it's in the middle of what we call the Sermon on the Mount, right? It's, one of, it's, it's kind of at the beginning part of Matthew. Matthew kind of, you know, puts these teachings of Jesus together where Jesus sits down with his disciples, which I, I believe multiple times. It wasn't just on one occasion, right, that Jesus sat down and gave this, I believe, the Sermon on the Mount, right? He taught these things as he was going through his ministry, right? Gathering with people. As people came and came to listen and hear him, he was like, hey, hear this, right? He goes through in Matthew chapter 5, the, the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are those right, who are humble. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. God blesses those who are merciful, right? He goes through those, those different aspects and things. He teaches about revenge and our vows. He teaches about anger. Well, it's all right. We got, we got to get through there as we look at the Seahawks season this year, um, right? <laughs> he teaches about prayer and fasting, which next year we need to do more of so the Seahawks can be successful. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, just kidding. Um, don't care about football that much. Care about Jesus more than that, right? He talks about giving to the, to the needy. And here we pick up in Matthew chapter 6, right here, where he, Jesus unpacks his th- thoughts and teachings about money and possessions. And he says this in verse 24. I'm going to start there, and then we're going to go back and work through this. So Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. So we're like, yeah, we can, we can understand that, right? If, I, if I'm serving two masters, it doesn't really work. My whole heart's in with one, my other, I, yeah, I can't, I, you know, it's hard to split. As we've been talking about saying no, it's this battle inside of us to say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. But Jesus tags on this piece here in the midst of that verse about not serving two masters. He says, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. There's this tension inside of us. These two masters vying for, for our tension, vying for our devotion. And that's one of our key core values here at Sound Life Church, that we would be people who are devoted to Jesus. First and foremost, that, that his, devotion to him is number one, right? Devotion to him is everything falls under that. When we're devoted to Jesus, that's what it looks like. You see, we can only serve one master, And as we know in life, there's things that are trying to compete for that lordship, for that mastership in our life, right? And money's a big one of those. Money's one of those that that can consume our thoughts, can consume our desires, can consume our energies as we want more and more and more and more. 
And Jesus addresses that here today. Right? Jesus gave us this message 2,000 years ago. And I believe, it, as we know, it's still very practical to us today. Right? It was very practical to them as Jesus taught most of these men and women that he taught to on the Sermon on the Mount on this occasion would be people who were, were have-nots. Right? They didn't have a lot of things, and they were aspiring and living, many of them slaves, understanding when Jesus says you can't have two masters, they literally knew, I am a slave, I have a master. And so how do we look at this? How do we see this? And how does money end up mastering us in this context? There's two ways, and those two ways are greed, right? which we can all think of somebody or someone in this greedy situation, or we can think of, we see it as worry. Greed and worry are these things that begin, can begin to master us. And that first one, greed, Jesus says this at the first half of that verse, uh, first part of that verse in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. He gives us this. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. He says, store up your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. Right? We as people in and I don't know about you, like to collect things, right? We like to, to gather things. We like to have more. But Jesus tells us here, don't store up these treasures here on earth. Moths, dust, rust. If you leave something in the garage for a long time, right, it gets dusty. It gets yucky. All, all of those things. We, we, can, we can hear this illustration. We can see it happening, right, where thieves break in and steal. He says, store your treasures in heaven, Right? And that's where he says that the, the, where your treasure is, what you're focused on, what your attention on is on, what you're giving your devotion to, this idea of mastership, ends up being what controls us, this desire to have more. But here's the thing that we need to know is that it's a lie. Because when we think of storing up heavenly treasures versus earthly treasures, one disappears, one is eternal. One lasts forever. You end up with less in this way. You see, greed enslaves us to a desire that will never satisfy. It'll never satisfy. Right? It leaves us feeling empty. And many of you may have felt that before. I remember as a kid, I remember working my summer off so, so hard. I was like, I was probably fourth or fifth grade and I started a lawn mowing business. Right? And I was like, this is great. I'm going to go make a ton of money. I'm going to go, it's going to be awesome. I lived in a neighborhood. I made these little business cards and I went around to all the neighbors and I passed them out. I said, I'll mow your lawn. I'll water your lawn. Whatever you need me to do, I'm your guy. Right? So I did this. And so I did the whole summer and I you know, made quite a bit of money for a four to five, four to five, fourth or fifth grader. I believe I was in fifth grade. I remember like getting like $800 that summer, which was a lot for like a, fourth, for like a fifth grader. Like I said, I remember buying some Lego sets <laughs> with, my, with my spoils of hard work. And I remember putting them together, and I was like, man, that's going to be so awesome. I have all these Lego sets. It's going to be so great. And I remember putting them together, and I remember putting them on my shelf, and I'm like, that's it? That's it? Right? Even then, Legos were expensive, right? But I remember just this feeling of like, just like I had worked so hard. It's going to be so cool when I have all this money. It's going to be so awesome. And it was just Lego sets. Right? And we look at that, and we can see little fifth grade Darren and saying, Darren, come on. You're, you're, you're learning a life lesson right there. But how often do we do that as adults? How often do we do that? We put something on the board or something in our hearts that says, hey, if I just get that, 
If I just achieve this, if I just reach that level, that desire is inside of all of us and it controls us at times. Right? I had to say no to a lot of things that summer, to friends' activities. Like My dad was like trying to help me through it, and he's like, all right, you're going to use my lawnmower, I'm going to charge you like a dollar per lawn, you know, things like that. Like, if you're going to use gas, you've got to pay for your own gas. I'm like, what is this? And he's like, this is real life, Darren. I'm like, stop! <laughs> I had to put together a calendar to, to, to map out when I was watering who's in, in who's in whose lawn and what time. But I ended up in this place where it didn't satisfy. Right? Greed enslaves us to the desire to a desire that will never satisfy us. Jesus says this in Matthew twenty two twenty three. When we're talking about this focus in our life, he goes on, he says, your eye is the lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. Right? So he pairs that with this, this verse before, talking about where your treasure is. And then he talks about our eyes, because here's what's important, is what our eyes, right, they... they they control what goes on up here a lot of times, doesn't it? Right? When, we see the, when I see a boat go by on the side of the road, right? I'm like, I need that. Right? <laughs> I want that. When I was in fifth grade, I see the Lego sets. I want that. Right? We, as kids, we, you know, remember, the, you know, the, in Christmas time, obviously, I'm going to start talking about Christmas, right? The, you know, going through and kids, you know, my kids now like to go through Amazon and say, I want this. Right? I, I see this. Like, you know, some of you remember, like, when they had catalogs and you go through those things. Um, yeah, I'm not calling anybody out here. Um, no age shaming. But he says, you know, when we talk, he's talking about our eyes in regards to this. He says, when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. Then he says this, which I think is so profound. So profound. It's so easy to look through. He says, and if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. So if we think we have what is most important, if we think if we, if that what we have is going to lead us to hope or lead us to the light, if we think that thing will bring us joy, satisfaction, and it's not really light, how dark that really is. Right? Do you hear what he's saying here? If our, if our eyes, our minds are focused on the wrong things and we allow the darkness to consume us, control us, those things end up being empty. How deep that darkness is. Greed tells us that if we have more, if we focus on more, then we'll be happy, safe, content, free. If you're a part of the Alpha, you heard this quote from Jim Carrey. He says this, I, actor Jim Carrey, he says, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Right? We hear that over and over again with those who get it all. They're like, it's not everything, right? And then when we sit in the place, like, well, I wish I had that, but we look to that as the goal, as what we have to have to find satisfaction, joy, and completion. If we think it's light and can fill us up, but it's actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Right? And as we know what happens in the pursuit of greed and, and, and pursuit of these things, right, we end up in a place where we've seen what's happened in society at times, in different people, right? They, they, they hurt others, they cheat others, they break commitments, they, they break others in the, in the goal of achieving these things. And that's why Jesus says it in that verse that we started with in 6.24. He says, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve light and dark. You can't be focused on this thing so much and, get, and not have your eyes on the, the right thing. So you can't serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And that's why where Jesus puts that. He uses our eyes to help us focus in and to, to look at and to see where we're focusing. 
Right, where are my eyes? Are they focused down here? Are they focused out here? Or are they focused up here? What am I focused on? So the first thing that we end up struggling with in this area and money becoming our masters through greed. The second, as I mentioned, is through worry. Worry. Jesus goes on and talks about this in Matthew 6, 25 through 32. He says, <coughs> that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to, and drink or enough clothes, clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? He says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all, the, all your worries add a single moment to your life? It's an important verse if you want to underline in your Bible. Underline that one because that one I wrestle with all the time. He says, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God so cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? He says, so don't worry about these things, saying what we'll eat or what we will, what we will drink, what we will wear. These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers, but that your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Right? Jesus tells the people there as he's preaching this message, teaching this message, that worry is going to happen. Right? We're going to worry about these things. And so he says, don't worry about them. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of those who are unbelievers, those who don't know God, right? So if we know God, you're here today, you're hearing about God, you're a follower of Jesus, right? We should be people who are leaning in to God in these circumstances. He says, your heavenly father already knows your needs. You see, there's a fear in us that we're not gonna have enough or that it's all about me. That worry becomes this obsessing about our next need. Will it be met? You see, when we get consumed about the fear of tomorrow, here's the danger. We miss about the blessing of trusting God. Yeah. Right? When we let fear consume us, we miss out on the blessing of trusting in God. Right? And we see here, it's like, well, God, I need you to bless them this way. I need you to bless them that way. No, just the blessing comes in trusting yeah. and walking with him. Right, as he provides, as he does things that you might not have imagined, right? A lot of times, and you maybe have heard it before, like, man, if God did everything that I asked him to do, right, it would be a lot less than what, what he could do if I just let him do it. Right? If I just let him do what he wants to do. So my prayers have to be, God, not just do this. Right? It says he knows what I need. Right? Instead of saying, God, this, 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 do this, then I'll be happy, God, if you, if you come through on this, if you do that. Instead of, God, I just, I just want to walk with you today. Right? Would you lead me? Would you provide for me? Would you give me what I need in these moments? Would you, would you be the hand that I could hold through these hard times? God, I submit my worry to you. I submit these desires to you. I submit these things to you because I trust you. You are a loving father. We talked about that with the Holy Spirit. He's a father in heaven who wants to give good gifts to his children. Do I trust that? Sometimes it looks different than the way I think it should. You see, greed and worry consumes us, and that's the result of being mastered by money, and that's our start with no today, is that we're gonna say no to being mastered by money. That we're not gonna be enslaved to it. We're not gonna allow that to drive us. This, this offers only financial pressure. We need to be, say no to being driven by greed and worry. 
Say no to being driven by greed and worry. See, there's another option that Jesus gives us. There's the, the kingdom of the world that tells us, hey, we need, get, work hard, so you have all these things, this, that. Focus on this. As I keep pointing to that left side for our sinful nature thoughts, the world wants to say, this will get you what you need. But then Jesus gives us the alternative, the antidote to this part of our heart. He gives us the antidote. He says in verse 6, 33, he says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything he needs, everything you need. He says, So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Right? He says, seek God's kingdom above all else. And he pairs that with, as we seek God's kingdom, live righteously, right? So if you're seeking God's kingdom, right, and trusting him in pro- for provision, trusting him to, to lead you, to guide you, to, to give you what you need, there's the pairing of that of living righteously. And that means living in right standing with God, right? As we walk out the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit, he begins to reveal things as we've talked about. Hey, this, sin, this sinful nature here. Hey, these desires. Hey, hand those over to God. We need to you ask for forgiveness, right? Walk out repentance. Live righteously and seek his kingdom above all else. You see, when people make God's kingdom their primary object of desire, they find the ability to trust him to meet their needs. Right, when we trust his kingdom, we get to be led, when we let God be the master and we are his servants, stewarding, he gives us the opportunity to steward what he gives. Right, and a steward is somebody who takes care of, who represents, right, who, who takes care of what, what has been given, but also represents God in what they're given to take care of. What they're given, the, 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 they take care of what their master has given them. You see, financial freedom, this freedom from being mastered by money comes when we take care of what he's entrusted to us the kingdom, and we trust him to take care of us, right? We be, it's that partnership with God as we walk it out with him, knowing that he has more and greater for us if we trust him. You see, God cares for us personally, and that's the result of being mastered by God, right? When we trust him, this is the only thing that offers freedom in this area, right? We have the choice to be enslaved. We have the choice to have a master, who is it going to be? What is it going to be? That's why we need to say yes to trusting God with our finances. Right? We say no to being driven by greed and worry, but we say yes to trusting God with our finances. Right? And so what does that look like practically? Because right? I could sit up here and just say, say all these things and read the Bible, and you're like, wow, Darren, that's, that's great stuff. Jesus seems like a cool guy. But what do we do? How do we walk this out practically? We do this by recognizing our role, as I mentioned, as stewards, right? Stewards, right? Not as necessarily always owners, but as stewards of whatever God has given us, right? When we begin to change that frame of reference, that, frame of, that framework in our mind, it begins to say, hey, instead of just me, 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 and I like to think of it as like the little baby clinching their Cheerios, right? And it's just like they grab and they grab and they grab and they have it all in their hands and they're crushing it and it's falling out and you're just like, it's all mine, but what do we do as parents? Here, we live open-handed. We trust. Right? He has entrusted us with it to do what he would want us to do. You see, we're good financial stewards when we exercise wisdom with how we operate, with how we steward what he's given us, and we operate and exercise with generosity. 
right? Because we, we look at God as the most generous. We say that all the time. God is so generous in offering his son for us, giving his all for us, his first and his best in Jesus, right? And we, we, get, we have the exercise of wisdom and generosity, the mind and heart of stewardship. You see, wisdom in this sense looks like budgeting, looks like planning ahead to spend the right amounts on the right things. And you guys are like, you know, you've probably heard that. You've heard of having a good budget, right? Living on a budget honors and stewards what God has given us, right? And Danielle and I's personal budget, we start at the top with what God is calling us to, you know, what, with our tithe, we, get, we give it there. We have, we have our missions, uh, mission forward, what we're going to be talking about today and next week. We, we have our missionary friends that we support. We're saying, this is what's going to come out of whatever we make. We're going to give this to the Lord. See, living on a budget honors and stewards what God has given us. You see, not budgeting allows, is allowing money to master us, right? Not living with purpose and on purpose and submitting that and putting it in front of God and saying, God, this is what you've given me. Now help me do this. Help me use this to bring honor and glory to you. Help me partner with you in what you're doing. This is my paper's my budget here. That's what I'm doing. Um, It's also my notes. Um, But I'm praying that with this message. God, use this message, right? Use, Use your words in scripture to change our hearts, because the enemy wants us to be mastered. He wants to be the master of our life. He wants to control us. So we take back control by submitting and trusting to God, by seeking his kingdom. That's why Jesus is clear here. You see, wisdom without love, though, is only half the equation. So we have wisdom and budgeting, but then we have the, the pairing piece of generosity that comes. As we begin to know the Father's heart, as we begin to know who Jesus was and how he interacted with the world of giving and, and, fall, and giving himself away, ultimately, we see we end up in this place of generosity, and it looks like loving by giving, putting God and others ahead of ourselves by giving something precious to us in order to bless them. Right, we move into generosity, we move into this place where we say, God, this is yours. What do you want me to do with it? Oh, that's it, God, I'll do it, right? And we walk those things out, and we begin to live out that generous life in partnership with him, right? So the first piece of that looks like, and we talk about it here in church, is through tithing, which is the principle of the first, first fruits, right? It's a, it's a tithing goes before even the, the, the laws that we see in Exodus, right? The Ten Commandments, tithing comes before that. There's, uh, there, we see that um, Abraham... Uh, tithe to Melchizedek, the priest, the high priest of God. But we have this principle that helps to align and continue to, to check our hearts and make sure that we're in the, the right place with it. In Exodus 23, 19, he says this. It says, as you harvest your crops, this is in regards to the tithe, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. So we bring our tithe to the church. We bring our tithe to the temple. We bring that to honor God and to support what God is doing, right? Also, what our tithes do here, right? It helps support, puts lights, turns our lights on, keeps our water going, right? It helps pay the, pay the salaries of, of our staff. He says, as you harvest your crops, bring the first and the best. And at times, I want to bring the, the last and what's left over <laughs> because I have so many things over it. But that's that frame of mind thinking, what is mastering me? Leviticus 21.30 says, One-tenth of what is of the, of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Brought to the temple, brought to the priestly, uh, the, the, those that are priests. 
You see, tithing is a biblical practice of giving God the first and best 10% of whatever income he's given you. That's what tithing is, baseline, base level for us to know. Tithing is a biblical practice of giving God the first and best 10% of whatever income he's given you. So why tithing? Why is tithing important? You see, it's about proclaiming God as a provider of your finances. Right? That's what it does. It's giving God that lordship, saying, God, I, you, you've provided, right? As many of you, have been in those places potentially where you have not had a job, and you're like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do, how, what's going to provide, and you're like looking, looking, looking. But when we put God as a provider, we're saying, God, you've given me this. Here's this. What do you want me to do with it? Right? Clenched fists, open hands. Or I'm trusting. I'm going to put you at number one. I'm going to give that to you, first and best to you. Same thing goes with our, our time, with our efforts, our energies. We can tithe in that way. Oh, God, I want to give you my first and best. Right? It says, no, being, it says no to being driven by need and greed by declaring your trust in God as our provider. That's what tithing does. It declares to our budget. It declares to our hearts. It declares to our lives. I've told this story before, but I remember when Danielle and I were, beginning, were applying for our, our first house and we, you know, they, they pull all your finances and they're looking over everything and they're looking at all your expenditures and this and that. And you feel like, wow, this, you get to see every time I went to Taco Bell on this. Um, you know, it's like, like just look over those. Um, but they're looking through and they go through and they see my, my, our tithe payment in our, in our monthly spending. And he says, so you, I see you make this payment every single month to this, you know, to this organization, to this church. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, do you have to pay that? I'm like, yeah. He's like, so you have to pay that. I was like, yeah. He's like, but you don't have to pay. I was like, no, but I do pay that, and I have to pay that. And it was like this conversation on the phone where it was like, yes, no, maybe, possibly, so, yes, yes. You know, it was like going back and forth. He couldn't quite understand, but it was this a moment where I really saw tangibly declaring God over my budget, right? I will pay this no matter what, so don't include it in my income. He's like, well, I'm going to include, or I, don't, I was like, don't include it in my, you know, so it included in my expenditure. He's like, I'm not going to. I was like, well, you should, because I'm going to pay it. I'm going to keep paying it. I'm going to trust God. Right, that's what tithing is. The second we begin to see is we lean into not being driven and controlled by need and greed is we begin to have this opportunity to overflow. We begin to have this opportunity to overflow, right? And that's what we call offerings. We have our tithes, which is our commitment to in our saying, God, we're going we're to trust you with this. And then the offerings is something that we say, man, God, you've overflown. I've seen you overdo and overflow in my life, and I want to do this. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 8, 7 through 9. He says, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us, I want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. Right? He's talking to this church, and he's like, hey, you guys are awesome. You talk well, right? You guys have great meetings. You hang out, like all these things. But I want you to also excel in the gracious act of giving. He says, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your faith is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. He's like, he's like saying, hey, like, let me, I'm check, checking your heart. He says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, right? We look at heaven, Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich, right? He's saying we should be checking our hearts, checking where we're focused at. What are we putting our attention on? Where, how are we operating in this? 
You see, as tithing was the biblical practice of giving God our first and best, offerings are personal financial acts of love to God, often for others' sakes, the sake of others. Right? That's what offerings do. Right? That's what we, you'll get today on your way out when we talk about Mission Forward. Right? This is what our primary vehicle for giving outside, you know, above and beyond our, our tithes and offerings. And last year we had, a, we had an awesome record year as a Sound Life Church as a whole for, those, for, for Mission Forward. Right, where we are able to op, you know, give ton, uh, uh, an extraordinary amount of money to our missionaries and our compassion opportunities and church planting. And next Sunday, I want to make sure you guys are here. We're going to hear from a church planter who's going to be planting a church in Seattle that we're supporting. Right, in one of the most unreached cities. If you look at unreached cities, you go, you Google it. Seattle's at the top. Right, churches have left the city, and so next week you're going to hear of a guy who's feeling God is calling him to plant a church there. And so I'm excited to hear him preach, so make sure you're here for that. But that's what Mission Forward does, is it's, a, it's, it's that vehicle, that way for us to give to these different opportunities. And I said, you'll get one of these on the way out. Next week, we're going to have an opportunity for pledges and to partner with what this looks like and what God is calling you to do. You see, but an offering is when our passions, compassion, and obedience to the Spirit's promptings lead to generosity. Right? When our passions, right, a lot of times we end up passionate about something. We get passionate about an opportunity. If you've been on a missions trip, you get passionate about where God is calling you, taking you. And when you're there, right, that passion overflows. Right? You end up filled with compassion for people. And obedience, when the Spirit prompts us, he leads us to that. Right? So that's, as we've been talking about, this is how we as a family here at Sound Life Church do it. And how we as my wife here manage our finances. Right? We want to trust God in it. And so today, as you're looking for practical steps, you're like, man, what am I going to do today with this message? I, I want to lean into the place of surrender. Right? Those little baby hands sometimes that Darren tries to close up. Right? Whether it be in our finances, but also surrendering to his plans. Surrendering to his, his will. Right? As I invite the worship team to go ahead and come on up. Maybe today you, you're new and you're checking out the church or you've been hurt by the church on this topic or by somebody on this topic before. Don't feel pressure. Right? I'm not here to pressure you. As I mentioned from the beginning, like these topics can, be, kind of, can feel like it's pressure, and I'm not here to do that. If you want to have some more conversations about it, I'd love to. But as I mentioned, as your shepherd of this church, as the pastor is called to preach the hard things, I want to share these with you. Because I care about us, care about you, care about our family here. It's important to see as we look at this is that it's not our money that saves us. It's between you and God. And so think about, pray about, process these things, right? Process them with God and say, God, what are you wanting me to do in this? Right? There's one thing that you can do is you can go back and on our sermon archives on, on YouTube, we preached a series on this last year called First Dibs. It was a three-part message. You can go see Pastor Caleb preaching those. At that point, we didn't have our, our podcast set up at that time. You can go back and listen to these comprehensive teaching on, on this idea. The third, second thing is if you've been growing here, you can, you can know that, and you know that God is calling you to take steps to financially trust him, take a leap and begin tithing. Begin to take those steps or take an, another consistent step towards that. Right? Start moving that direction. And then if you're a maturing member of the family and you've been leaning into this, right, begin to say, God, okay, like, what else? What are you wanting to do? I don't want to be mastered here. I want to be mastered by you. And so today as we close to this moment, like I mentioned, it's my heart of this 
closing today is, you know, I'm not going to say offering today. We're going to bring the plates around. I'm not going to do that. I've been to churches like that. But today, let's just work on our hearts. If Jesus was so adamant, so clear in teaching about this, 2,000 verses in the Bible plus, he knew it was going to be something that we're going to struggle with because we struggle in the area of surrender. And today, as we talk about this and as we sing this song closing, we need to surrender to God all aspects of our lives. Maybe you're good in this arena, but you have some things that you're still not surrendering. You're like, ah, but I still really want this. I still really am being mastered by this. I'm focused on this more than I'm focused on God. That's why Jesus talks about our eyes. Right? That's why physically, I literally sometimes have to, even when I'm worshiping, I'm like, I gotta get my eyes off here. Gotta get my eyes off here, off the screen. God, I need you. Get my eyes on you. Sometimes walking outside in the parking lot, and I'm like, I'm walking between my house and here. I'm just like, God, I just need you. Like, I, I surrender to you. I get my eyes up. Get my eyes off my circumstances. Get my eyes off my worries. Because those worries end up controlling me. But what did Jesus say? Why worry about tomorrow? Why worry about those cares? Do they add any other days to your life? Do they add anything else? No, they just lock us down. I want to surrender my desires, surrender my worries, surrender to his lordship. So today, let's, let's do that. I'm going to invite you guys to stand in the room this morning. We're going to sing this song again that we sang last week for the first time, King of Glory. And it's an impactfully simple song. I love it when it's that easy, right? When they make it, when it's pretty easy, it's like, so let's start right now. I'm going to I'm going to pursue you. King of Glory, would you fill this place? King of Glory, would you be the king of my life? And so I don't know what step you need to take. I don't know where you're at on your spiritual journey, but I know God has more for you. And we lean in and trust him. So let's sing this song together, King of Glory, and I'll come close.